The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. If you'd like to call into our program today, use our toll-free number 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send an email, the address is leah at comebacktoyoursenses.com. Now, here's health and wellness specialist, Leah Brenda-Smith. Hello, I am your host, Leah Brenda-Smith, and thanks for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Voice America Variety and Project Freedom Radio Network. Again, just to let you know, if you're looking for me on the net, you can find me at leahbrendasmith.com or on Facebook at Come Back to Your Senses Radio or Leah Brenda-Smith. And today, another big show, The Influence of Belief on Biology. I don't know, a big show, certainly a big topic. So the, uh, I, just, uh, I just do the topics as they inspire me and come into me, and some of the weeks are a little more challenging than others. You know, I, um, I pick the topics the previous week, and then kind of um, my week becomes um, part of what's going on with me is just um, being with the topic, being with the energy of it and what it means what it means to me personally and how I can bring that as information and, and something that can be helpful uh, to the people that listen and uh, the people that tune in every week. Thank you so much. And sometimes the, the topics really hit home and really bring great insight and a great opportunity for growth, a new growth, a new development for me. And I have to say that, that this, uh, this was the case with this week's show you know, the idea that your beliefs influence your biology, it's huge, huge. It's a huge, huge notion. And yet the mechanism, the mechanism is, uh, is, happens um, in an instant and quickly and, and uh, in a simplistic way, yet it's a very um, complex idea or a very, an idea that has a really a huge impact on who we are and how we are and how we live our lives and the kind of life that you're able to live. So um, I'm hoping that you'll get some great insight um, uh, out of today's show and out of this topic the way that I have. And even just the idea of belief, that a belief is a thought that you think over and over and over, and that's what makes it a belief. I know when I was younger, I... Um, much younger, I had the, the misconception like many of us do when we're young about, you know, that belief had something to do with truth, that, that, that they were in fact intrinsic or the same thing. And as I, as I grew and began to develop and experience things in the world and interact with people, I came to understand that 
ah, belief is not necessarily based on truth, that belief is based on thought. And, um, you know, um, there are all kinds of things that exist that uh, don't depend on, um, on our belief in them in order to exist. All of life is like that. Uh, <laughs> if life was dependent on a consistent belief from humanity in order to exist, we would be living in a very, very, very different type of reality. That is for sure. So it's good to remember that belief is a thought that you think over and over. It is the repeated thinking of it that creates a belief out of the thought. So continually thinking the same thought, what happens is it becomes solidified. You know, our repeated thoughts become our beliefs. And it's an important piece of the puzzle to recognize that your thoughts have a tremendous impact on your unconscious mind. So what this really means is that even when you are not consciously aware of your thoughts, that the messages and the images that you're conjuring up based on the thoughts and based on what you say, that this affects your biology. Really, the bottom line is regardless of the circumstances in any given moment, regardless of where you have your attention, regardless of your level of consciousness at that time, your biology is always listening. It's listening to your thoughts, listening to your behavior, listening to the words that you speak. So that's really the fundamental basis of what this subject is that we're talking about, about the influence of belief on your biology. So your biology is always, always listening. And... Just to bring another aspect in, it's important to recognize that one of the functions of the mind is to create a kind of consistency or to have your, uh, to create consistency, to have it be congruent between what you believe and what you experience. So that's part of the function of the mind is to create that coherence or that consistency. So as an example of this is when you repeatedly have thoughts about how you can't do something, that your thought becomes your belief, and then your belief becomes your reality. And then you will notice that you have difficulty doing whatever the thing is, is that you have been programming yourself to say that you cannot do it. And similarly, if you repeatedly have thoughts about how you're going to get a disease, if you like, because um, you're predisposed to the disease based on your family history, then your thoughts become your belief, and your belief becomes your reality. So if you're always holding in your mind those thoughts about how you're going to end up with the diseases that run in the family then that is what your reality will become. So follow the thinking. Follow that line of thought. It's a natural conclusion. You know, if you add up the equation, we understand that one of the important functions of the mind is to create coherence between what you believe and what you experience. So repeated thoughts about not being able to do something 
result in not being able to do that very thing. And repeated thoughts about developing a disease that you have inherited from your family results in that cohesion, results in your biology manifesting your belief. The good news, I always like it. I always like to be able to tell you that. The good news is that you have choice. You can build a life that's based on negative thoughts or build a life that is affirming. One of the really important aspects to realize also is that your biology, it doesn't discriminate. Your biology is going to respond equally to the positive thoughts and positive beliefs and the negative thoughts, the negative beliefs. Your biology doesn't sort out the negative influences from the positive influences. So without necessarily even knowing it, you are continually either increasing or decreasing your well-being based on your thoughts and your beliefs about your well-being. Right? You're continually increasing or decreasing your abilities based on your thoughts and beliefs about your abilities. And this is because your beliefs influence your biology. And part of the function of the mind is to create a cohesion, a coherence, consistency between your beliefs and your reality. So, very interesting. Fortunately, the equations are simple. The equations are set, they're really, they're straightforward. So, it's not complex to understand, if you like, the straight line or the thinking that makes this so. And that's good news also because then it's easier if we understand the mechanism and there's simplicity in the approach. It makes it easier to actually to to take that information and use it to our, our best advantage to be able to create what it is that we want and then to be able to be mindful and to be able to notice when our thoughts and our beliefs are going in a direction that's counterintuitive or counterproductive to what it is that we're actually trying to create for ourselves. It's good to remember, you have choice. You can build a life that's based on negative thought or build a life that is affirming, that continues to move you in the direction that you're wanting to go in, whatever that direction is for you. We want to explore, we're going to explore today a little bit of the science behind these ideas. And I've gathered some information together. Some would say that it's leading edge of new developments in science. And then some would say not so, not so new, but uh, certainly different from uh, the way that we have been uh, conditioned up until now with regards to our health and belief and our biology and genetics and you know, I've uh, specifically followed um, the work of uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, and he is a developmental biologist. Some folks may be uh, familiar uh, with him through um, Hay House, their uh, live events or their online events. So he's also uh, a Hay House um, author, 
and he is involved in the in developmental. They refer to him as a developmental biologist, perhaps best known for promoting ideas about how your genes and your DNA can be influenced by your beliefs. And uh, two of his books are, one of them is The Biology of Belief, and the other is Spontaneous Evolution. So that's Dr. Bruce Lipton. And here's a, here's a quote. We'll start off here with him, with a, with a direct quote from him that says, You can live a life of fear or live a life of love. You have the choice. But I can tell you, that if you choose to see a world full of love, your body will respond by growing in health. If you choose to believe that you live in a dark world full of fear, your body's health will be compromised. And you're, physiologically you will close yourself down and be in a protection response. So he's saying that we have choice. He's saying that you can choose to live a life of love or live a life of fear, and that depending on what you choose, your biology is going to respond to that. Regardless of what you choose, your biology is going to respond. But obviously, if you're choosing love, your biology is going to expand respond by growing and increasing in health and well-being. And if you're choosing fear, then your body is going to be compromised. Your health will be compromised and your body will go into a protective kind of a response, which is not uh, in alignment with well-being and health. And, you know, along the same kind of thinking, um, Albert Einstein was uh, reported to say that the most important decision that you'll ever make is to decide for yourself if you live in a universe that is supportive and is friendly or if you live in a universe that is non-supportive and hostile. So are you living in a universe that's supportive and friendly or not supportive and hostile? This reminds me of a a little story about something that, that I experienced with my son when he was uh, when he was young, and we went we went over to visit my father and my stepmother. Um, some of you have experienced something like this when you know um, you take your child to the visit the grandparents because they want to have a chat with your child if they you know got bad grades in school or they're struggling with something or something's going on. So it was one of those scenarios and. And off we went to visit my dad and my stepmom. And and I went in the other room and was resting on the couch, but I could hear the conversation. And then at one point, they started to talk to my son about saying things about how the world is tough and how uh, it's it's not necessarily good to be a nice guy because nice guys finish last and how you need to fight to get ahead and... This ki- these kinds of ideas, these were the kinds of, of things that I was hearing. And uh, needless to say, my perception of the conversation was that it was definitely going in the wrong direction. So I got up and went into the room and I interjected. And I, I remember actually saying, 
to my folks, saying to them that, you know, that might be the world that you live in where those things are true, but that my son and I don't live in that world, that we live in a world that is friendly and supportive. Now, we live in a world where being relaxed and open and kind supports you in moving forward and and supports you in receiving what you what you need. Now, and I, I really remembered that when I started to work with the material for today's show. I remembered, you know, and that happened at least, uh, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, maybe not quite that long ago, but some something like that. And I realized at the time that it was a really important distinction to make. You know, it's important to 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 stand up, to stand up for the choices that are supportive, the, to stand up for the choices that are in alignment with what it is that's true for you, with how it is that you live your life and what your values are. And it was important for me to stand up, if you like, to my folks and for my son to say that, no, we live, in a, we live a life that's based on love, not based on fear. We live in a world that's supportive and friendly, not unsupportive and hostile. So I encourage you really to think about this. And, you know, for some people it's a no-brainer, you know, that, the, that they are in alignment with living a life that is supportive and that's uh, based on love. And for other people it's not so clear, or for other people perhaps they you know, don't even realize they're not conscious, really, of what is driving the the behavior. You know, perhaps you haven't realized that the nature of your thinking has you more closed or more fearful, that you have a more closed or more cautious or more fearful approach to living. And if that's the case, you know, give yourself some time to incorporate that idea that you have choice and that you can choose to live an open, supportive life. You know, it's never too late to choose. And in fact, the reality of it is that we're choosing all the time. You know, we're choosing in every moment based on the nature and the content of our thoughts and of our beliefs. You know, and today the show is about the influence of belief, the influence of your thoughts, which turn into your belief, and then the influence that has on your biology. So as a general comment, if you are living a life that's really based on fear or based on needing to be cautious or a belief that the world is unsupportive, then that every day has an effect on your biology. Not just if you're dealing with issues that are related directly related to your health, but all of the time. Because if that is your stance in the world, if that is your body posture in the world, then that has an effect on your biology, on your physiology all the time. Like the quote was saying, Bruce Lipton saying that if that's the case, then you kind of have your, your body is in a protective mode all the time, on alert all the time, which is not conducive to well-being and in increase in health and vibrancy. So it's good to just just think about these things and and know that um, there is an opportunity to shift, to make that shift in perception. And sometimes it just takes becoming aware of the fact that, in fact, you tend to be more um, leaning towards 
thinking of or viewing the world through unsupportive kind of eyes, if you like. So let's pick up on the, on the science behind some of these ideas. I'm just wondering um, if you knew that. I didn't know. I certainly learned that from listening to, uh, to Bruce Lipton. And, and a lot of the, the science-based ideas that I'm going to share with you today are really based on things that I have read or heard or learned um, through my association with him. And um, did you know that it really that it takes science at least 10, 10 to 15 years to take a newly established fact from its time of inception until it comes into the mainstream of society. So everything that's currently included in the textbooks in whatever subject, right, are really 10 to 15 years old. The new science. Now, the new science around the effects of belief on biology... Well, that will be included in the future textbooks. It's not really what we have now in the textbooks. But aren't we fortunate that we have people, doctors and scientists, and and a new breed of folks that identify themselves as spiritual scientists, if you like, like Bruce Lipton, and and certainly there are others. And, And they're writing books that include the new developments in science. And they're writing these books long before the information would naturally be available to the general population. So uh, that's very, very fortunate that we have that opportunity to, to be privy to the information before it's really mainstream like that because it takes an awful, an awful long time um, for things to really come to the forefront. You know, but the old science told us that our, our genes control our lives. Right, we're given a set of genes from our mother and from our father at the moment of conception. And this set of genes predetermines so much about our health. And in turn, it really determines, if you like, the trajectory to some degree of our life. So as a result of this kind of uh, assumption, if you like, you know, diseases like cancer and diabetes and Alzheimer's are, are looked at and related to as traits that you inherit from your family lineage. And then based on this kind of conventional perception, if you like, you tend to see yourself as a victim of your heredity. And you assume that your uh, genes control you and that you're powerless over how your life will unfold. Now, I know this sounds familiar to to people as a general comment we've lived through that some of us have come through the other side already and some of us are still living that either ourselves personally or or with family members or friends or other people we may know um, in our circle in our lives you know the idea that if cancer's in your family you expect that you will likely be a cancer patient at some point in your future And this has been, if you like, for the most part, and continues to be the conventional kind of understanding. And then there's the emergence of this new kind of understanding that changes all of that. You know, new approaches that reveal how your beliefs and your perceptions, your emotions and attitudes, that all of these are important factors that actually influence your genes. 
So the old paradigm was referred to as genetic determinism, which means that your fate is determined by your genes. Right? The outcome of your life is determined by genetic control, which literally means control by genes. And then the new science is called epigenetic control. So the old is genetic control, which means control by the genes, and the new is called epigenetic control. And the little translation of the epi means above. So the epigenetic control means control above the genes. So that's the shift. The old way was genetic control, where the genes control the outcome, and then the new science is epigenetics, which means that there's control above the genes. So, the straight line thinking with this is that the new science, there's an understanding that the genes are not in control. So you may ask, what is in control? What is the control above the genes? And the new science, the epigenetics, it shows that your genes respond to your environment. And your environment includes your perceptions, your emotions, your beliefs, and your attitudes. So as you change how you respond to the environment then you change your genetic expression, if you like. The old story about your genes is that your genes control you. The new story is that you can change or control your genes by the way you respond to your environment, the way you respond to your life circumstances and the world around you. So the important point really here is that you are free to change how you respond to the world. Imagine that. You're free to change how you respond to the world. And that's what happens. As you change the way that you see the world, you change your genetic expression. So as you change your experience, as you shift from being a victim of your genes to recognizing that you can influence your genetics by your thoughts, your beliefs, and your actions, then things change. (laughs) So from this new perspective, you can ask yourself this question. If you are able to influence your genetics, then is disease a necessary outcome of your life? Even though your genes suggest that heredity will call you into the characteristics and the traits from your family lineage, epigenetics assures you that you influence your genes by your thoughts, which, when repeated, turn into beliefs, which in turn influence your actions and has an influence over the way that your body reacts on a cellular level. So it's a new way, a new day, a new way from genetics to epigenetics. And based on this science of epigenetics, 
Clearly you have a choice. We all have choice. You can choose to set up a positive outcome and generate thoughts that will result in an increase in your experience of well-being. Or, based on your choice, you can continue to subscribe to the old science of genetics and genetic control, which would have you believe that you have no control over your genetics. And in turn, you would generate thoughts that would ensure that you take on the health concerns of your genes and follow the heredity patterns of your family lineage. Imagine, that's really strong medicine when you think of that. Either way, either way, whether you follow the old idea of the science of genetics, where you aligned your thoughts with taking on that which was in your family line, or whether you align with epigenetics and align your thoughts with the idea that you have control above the genes, and that you can influence your health in a positive way by your beliefs. Strong medicine, very strong medicine. So this is the simple reality that your environment and your perception of your environment can rewrite your genetic code. So it doesn't change the DNA, but it changes the readout of the DNA. And the DNA are the genes, and the genes are the blueprint. But Bruce Lipton tells us that you can create over 30,000 different variations from the same blueprint, from the same gene, which clearly shows that you're not limited by your genes. You're not limited by your perception and your belief about the world that you live in. So the content of your thoughts and your beliefs is what's influencing your genes. So you're limited by your perception and your belief. You're not limited by your genes. You're limited by your perceptions and beliefs. So if you have limiting thoughts and perceptions and beliefs about the world that you live in, then that's what will limit you. It is the content of your thoughts and your beliefs that's influencing your genes. So it's really good that we get this. There have been previous studies, you know, that um, that was done with mice checking on the gene for brain, breast cancer. And the study showed that when the mice were brought up in a normal environment, which included a normal amount of stress, in most of the mice that had the gene already for cancer, that that gene was activated and the mice got breast cancer. And then the study also showed that when the mice with the markers for breast cancer were put in low-stress environments, that the cancer gene did not become activated and the mice remained cancer-free, even though they had the gene. So the results of the study are really showing epigenetics in action. The study shows the influence of the environment on biology. So Bruce Lipton tells us that there's no gene that if you uh, there's no gene that you could have that would automatically say that you would get cancer. And that this is because of epigenetics. 
and understanding that the genes don't control you, but the, the genes are activated by the way you live, by the stresses you're under, by your belief system. And he says that 33% of the people with a certain gene, uh, BRCA1 gene for breast cancer, don't get the cancer. So just because you have the gene doesn't mean that you get the cancer. And that lifestyle is really so important. And if you think of that, one of the highest numbers of death in the United States is from cardiovascular disease. And here's something interesting. Most patients get treated with drugs and other protocols. Yet the doctors and the scientists now claim, they're now claiming that 90% or more of cardiovascular disease is related to lifestyle. So even though people say cardiac problems run in my family, my father had a heart attack, my grandfather had a heart attack, and then in turn many people report that they themselves are expecting a heart attack also because of their genes, yet really it turns out that lifestyle has a huge impact, that it's all about the way you live. And this is also true about cancer which accounts for a percentage of people that carry a gene but never experience the cancer. Right? The obvious question that is asked is why? And the answer is lifestyle, the amount of stress, the kinds of thinking, the kinds of belief which influence the biology. Now, the American uh, Cancer Society states that lifestyle is responsible for 70% or more of cancer. This is all good news. You know, the science, the doctors, the cardiovascular doctors, the American Cancer Society, things are moving in this direction. Uh, It is so lovely, moving in the direction of understanding this idea of epigenetics, of that it's not just the genes that are controlling the biology. The American Cancer Society is saying 70% or more of cancer that it's related to lifestyle and that cancer is not hereditary. And scientists, they came, uh, partly this came about because they were studying children who were adopted into families where there was cancer running through the family. And they studied these adopted children and found that the adopted children were getting the same family cancer as the natural siblings even though they came from a different gene pool. So if the adopted child gets the cancer, it clearly wasn't coming from the genes. It became clear that lifestyle, how they responded to life, how they were programmed during their development were contributing factors. And it seemed that science and the And the research points in the direction of understanding that a negative way of responding to life can precipitate disease. Now we've all, we've heard about that science always talked about the concept of the placebo effect. You know, the doctor gives you medication, you take the medication, you get better, and then later find out that it was a sugar pill. And in that kind of a situation, you might ask, like, what healed the patient? 
And the answer was the belief in the drug. The belief influences the biology. Yeah, now Bruce Lipton tells us that it's been established that likely a third to two-thirds of all medical healing, including surgery and drugs, that it's all accomplished through the placebo effect, one-third to two-thirds. The placebo effect demonstrates that it's in the mind of the patient and their belief system that ultimately determines whether the drugs or the surgery are going to have a positive influence on their health. Here's a little story about a a doctor in Houston. He did a a study about uh, arthroscopic surgery. And the doctor wanted to determine which surgical process was having the greatest effect on the health of the knee after surgery. So he questioned, was it rinsing out of the fluid or the scraping off of the knee that really provided the major healing? What was really making it occur? So he was going to do um, his research study, and before he started, his assistant said that you need to include a placebo group. So the doctor fabricated a little placebo operation. He made two incisions as usual, but the person couldn't see their knee because it was draped for the surgery. And then the doctor put a video on the screen of a previous surgery that he performed. So the patient watched the video while the doctor talked to the patient explaining the surgery the same way that he did while performing a live surgery. And then the final results showed that everything was the same, whether he just rinsed the knee out whether he did the scraping, whether he did the scraping and rinsed the knee out, or whether he just did the incisions while the patient watched, and they were watching someone else's surgery. And of course, eventually, he had to reveal to the patients that he had just done the incisions and that they watched surgery, that he'd actually created a very elaborate placebo effect. And it was their mind that did the healing, belief influences biology. And then it's good to also include here something called the nocebo effect. And the nocebo effect is basically the same as the placebo effect, except that it's based on something in the negative. So it's based on the notion that a negative belief can hurt you or even kill you. And because of that, it has as much influence over you as the positive belief that you can heal. So remember, the important piece of the puzzle here is is the power and the influence of belief on biology, whether the belief is positive or negative. Positive and negative beliefs are equally powerful. They're just producing opposite results. Remember, the function of the mind is to create that coherence between your beliefs and the reality that you experience. So if you have a belief that you can't do something or that you're susceptible to something, that your mind is responsible to create coherence and you'll manifest what you believe. And so we want to remember with the placebo effect and the nocebo effect that the biology doesn't discriminate. 
It doesn't discriminate between the negative and the positive thoughts. Your beliefs don't discriminate. The mind doesn't discriminate. It sees the positive and the negative beliefs and thoughts in the same way and attempts to create that alignment, that coherence. Now, Henry Ford was reported to have said that whether you believe that you can or you believe that you can't, that you are right. So when a patient hears that they cannot heal themselves, when a patient is told that they are terminal, or when a patient is told that they'll get the diseases that run in their family, that that perception alone, if it's believed, can stop the healing process, and the biology will respond by creating a decline in your health. Now, I'll just share with you another little story. Actually, it's a story that Deepak Chopra shared about. Um, he tells this about a friend of his who uh, had a black mark on his lung. And the friend was told about the black mark on his lung and that he had lung cancer. So he was given that diagnosis that he had lung cancer. And Deepak's friend was devastated. And then within three weeks, the friend died. And a little while later, when they were cleaning out the man's office, they found x-rays of his lung that had been taken 20 years earlier. And that x-ray from 20 years earlier, it revealed that same black mark on his lung. But he was not given a diagnosis 20 years earlier of cancer. So it wasn't actually until he was told that he had lung cancer and he thought that this was a new condition in his body. And it was only then that his mind began to take over. His mind began with the thoughts that turned into beliefs about how he was going to die from cancer and within three weeks he was dead. That's a really good example, and I know there are so many examples and, and uh, that um, sh- surely many of you have heard uh, other examples of similar things. That type of uh, situation has reported, been reported in, in the news and is available in, through a lot of different sources. This idea of belief influencing the biology and what happens to people as a result of that. And then we have this, uh, something that's referred to as the spontaneous remission, right? And that's a state that's, that spontaneous remission, and it affects some people with terminal illness, right? Something happens, and then all of a sudden you see these people that were gravely ill or going down a track of being gravely ill, and all of a sudden they get up off, uh, get up from their deathbed, if you like, and they're no longer sick, Kind of natural, the mind's going to wonder, you know, what, what could be the common, the common underlying factor that is at play really in spontaneous remission? And some people would suggest that the common denominator that allows people to return to health is that letting go of the negativity that grew into the disease to begin with. So all of the negative thoughts and the beliefs and the attitudes... You know, when it comes to issues of life and death, some people become very positive. They, they let go by saying, I don't have time for this. 
I'm just going to give out and enjoy my life. And then in the letting go and in the enjoyment of life, they change their belief. They change their perception. And as quickly as you change your perception, you begin to reprogram your cells. And you can program your cells. You program your cells and the effect on the cells can be instantaneous. You know, a... um, An extremely high percentage of your life is controlled by the programs in your subconscious mind that were developed before the age of seven. So before the age of seven, your subconscious mind is recording all of the information about everything you experience around you. So this happens first um, based on that programming that your conscious mind develops and, and then it develops into that voiceover in your mind, right? So you have that programming, and then it develops into that voiceover that you have in your mind. And I remember when I first discovered my conscious mind and became aware of the fact that I had thoughts that took place in my own mind that were just mine that nobody else could hear. I, and I remember it was surprising and somewhat alarming. It was like this alarming phenomena at the time, to discover the privacy of my own conscious thinking. And, um, and I, I clearly remember that. And then I only ever really was aware of witnessing that actually occurring in somebody one time. It was with one of my nieces. I was able to identify when that was happening to her. You know, I knew by her facial expressions and her behavior and by watching how she was reacting and responding to what was going on around her, I saw that as she was trying to piece it all together the same way that I had done at her age. And in fact, everybody goes through that. And so that happens whether you're consciously aware of it or not. I just happened to uh, always remember that and, and specifically recalled it and then was able to witness it in another person. But if you think of it, prior to, um, prior to that age, Children spend most of their time, so prior to the age where your, your conscious mind actually comes online, so to speak, children spend their time in a, in a uh, if you like, the theta brainwave state, so a kind of light trance state, where the subconscious mind is just absorbing information about everything that's going on around you. You know, you record how your parents interact with one another, um, and how they interact with other people in their lives, and how they interact with you, and you begin to kind of put together your basic understanding about human relationships and how to behave in the world. And it's really based on, if you like, other people and um, other people's desires or other people's thoughts and beliefs and not your own. And there are studies that suggest that, you know, up to 50% of your personality is already developed before you're even born, in utero, in that last trimester of pregnancy. So the influence is tremendous. The state of your mother, her mental and emotional experiences and the releasing of the chemistry from her brain, that's all controlling her biology. And when you're a fetus, that nourishment that you get through her blood that feeds your cells, it also part of that is the um, um, chemicals that come from her emotional state and, and other chemicals that regulate things in the body. And all of this has such an influence on the on the fetus. So what your mother is experiencing, you're experiencing. 
So when the mother's happy, the fetus is happy. The chemistry of the fetus is happy. If the mother is afraid and upset, then that same chemistry that she feels in her body, it's also translated to the fetus. So the fetus is actually getting a reflection of life by whatever the mother's experience is. And the patterns of her behavior and her emotions are are learned by the fetus. So when a child's born, it already has a pattern of emotional responses. You're programmed very early in life, before you're actually in the outer world. So it's interesting, you know, a very high percentage of our programming happens on the subconscious level before we're seven. And for the most part, we're not aware of what these programs are, are actually running under the surface and dictating really our thoughts and our actions and our interactions and our reactions to what we're experiencing. So your life's controlled by your programs. So it would be good to have some insight into what these programs are. And you might not have a clear idea of whether the the programming you absorbed actually supports your individual likes, your desires, your goals, and your purpose in life. It's a huge undertaking. It can be to figure out, you know, what kind of process, you know, the idea of rehashing your life or reliving old traumas and past events, that's certainly, I suppose, a way to go, but it can be a lot easier for you to find the information. If you just do a little bit of personal inventory, Look at your life and look at what comes easily. You know, the things that come to your life easily, it's because you have programs that support that. And if you look at the things that you have to work hard at, and so anything you struggle with, you have to put effort into because it just doesn't come to you easily. And that's why you have to work hard at it. And the reason is because you don't have programs that support those things. So that's why there's so much effort because you're efforting to override the old programs that were put in there when you were young. You know, looking at what comes easy, what comes difficult, what you work at is, and have to work hard with could be interfering with your success. You have programs that interfere. So taking stock will help you determine where you need to make a conscious effort to make new programs for success. I know we can relate to this. I certainly can relate to this in areas of my life. You know, there's common kinds of things that are programmed into us on in our subconscious mind, you know, about not being good enough or not being deserving or not being loving or not being smart enough or whatever, whatever it is. You know, those impediments, if you like, in your life are those real challenges that we have. And when you reprogram these beliefs and then replace this with programming that matches your wishes and desires, that's really what we're looking to do. Because then even when you're not paying attention, even when you resort to your subconscious program, then the subconscious program will be filled with all your wishes and your desires. So then even when you're not paying attention, you'll still be moving in the direction of creating and living the best life possible for you based on what it is that you want. So becoming aware of that programming can become really important because that's the beliefs that um, influence your biology. And if you become aware of it, then you're able to change it. 
So you want to create the programming in your subconscious mind that's supportive of who you are and what you want your life to be. Not simply the leftovers, you know, from what was programmed into you as you were a growing fetus and a small infant and a young child. So one of the most important parts of your own growth and evolution can be your own experience, if you like, of self-love. You know, it's through the experience of self-care and self-love that you're able to accept the current negative programming that may be running you around, you know, running you around your own merry-go-round in your mind and in your life, and to learn to not fight with the programming or the way you were raised, but to look at it, really to accept it for what it is. And then you can make it your business to create the kind of programming that's going to support you in your present life with what your specific goals and aspirations are. You know, Lipton says that thoughts directly influence how the physical brain controls the body's physiology. So thought energy can activate or inhibit the cell's function producing proteins. So Harnessing the power of your mind can be more effective than the drugs that you've been programmed to believe you need. And he stresses that this requires not just positive thinking, but also eliminating the habitual negative and self-sabotaging thought patterns of the subconscious mind. So reprogramming. So if you take the negative beliefs that you've been expressing that were based on your previous programming... And then just stop whenever you notice them. Stop and become aware and rewrite the beliefs so that you can turn them into positive beliefs. And in doing that, then your subconscious mind will have the same wishes and desires that your conscious mind has. So again, whether you're paying attention or you're not paying attention, both the subconscious and the conscious minds will be aligned with what it is that you want, with really who it is that you are in present time. And sometimes the greatest aspiration is one of peace and contentment. You know, one of peace and acceptance in order for you to claim your authentic self and encourage yourself to move forward towards your goals regardless of what may have happened to you in the past or what may have happened up till now. So as I said in the beginning of the program, you know, it's a, um, it's a, simple, it's a simple line of thinking that belief influences your biology. And although it may be layered and seem complex, the road to reprogramming Reprogramming that can also be simple as well. When you have that air of acceptance around this and not blaming, but accepting, oh, I see, I have a program, I understand why I'm having problems staying with my exercise program or achieving what I'm wanting to do, moving ahead in work or going to the next level with this skill or whatever it is for you, just to use a few examples. But if you understand then, it's just because you have something in your subconscious mind, something programmed, a belief that is uh, affecting your reality, you can become aware of that and you can change 
the program. You can reprogram yourself to create the programs that are supportive of who you are and what it is that you want. Belief. Belief has a tremendous influence on your biology. So it's not just in terms of your health and and uh, the difference between disease and illness, which it certainly is and does have a tremendous impact on, but it's everything. It's your creative pursuits. It's your relationships. It's your leisure time. It's your experience of how you even experience love through your own experience with yourself and the way that you the degrees of free-flowingness and the way that you share that with other people. And it gives you that energy, your beliefs gives you that life energy to move forward and walk towards what it is that you want in your life. We can all create the life that we want based on who we are in the present. And there is that opportunity to become aware that your beliefs affect and influence your biology And then be mindful. Make it your business. Make it your business to have the thoughts and the beliefs that are in support of what it is you want your biology and what it is you want your life to be. So you get to choose. We all get to choose. You can live a life that's based on love and support and you can live a life that's based on fear and something that's unsupportive or hostile. It is your choice. So remember, your beliefs affect your biology. So make it your business to have the influence that you want over your biology. I uh, really appreciate you tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio today to listen to the show about the influence of belief on biology. I am your ever-grateful host, Leah Brenda-Smith, and until next time, I encourage you to relax and enjoy your life. We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda-Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week. Thank you.